We've been actually sharing and, um, on a series called Follow and want to just continue with that today. And if I could, we, we started, we gave you a list last week and went over practices of a Christ follower, Jesus follower. And so I'd like to continue that if I could. We, I looked over my notes from last week and I said, man, we got to seven points. That was amazing. That's huge, almost uncalled for in a lot of services today, but we did it. And so we want to just finish up today that, that part, part of the series. And believe that really... Um, as Jesus told us to follow him, that believe, we really believe that the call to salvation is a call to discipleship. And Jesus initiates the relationship by inviting us to follow him. And that he came to us, we didn't come to him. Jesus said in John 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you, I came to you. And aren't you glad that he came to you in the state that you were in and, and in the place that you were in? He wasn't afraid and ashamed to come to you, right? And his love and his mercy found, found you right where you were. But he calls for discipleship. He calls for us to follow him. And we talked about and three, gave really the three points of what we're going to cover and what we'd like to talk about with the discipleship. And is that is to follow, to serve, and to lead. So when we follow, we're talking about walking with the Lord. And when we talk about uh, serving, we talk about fellowshipping with other people, other believers. And then when we talk about leading, we talk about winning the lost or evangelism. And so we want to be able to, to not just preach about this, but we want to be able to see this lived out in our lives because it's so important in this day that people see real disciples. How many believe that people need to see real people, real disciples, real Christians? You know, people will follow somebody who's real, not necessarily who's right. Amen? That's right. That's true. Amen. That, you know, they want to see people who are real, not necessarily right about everything. And so as disciples, we can show people real love, real joy, real life through Jesus Christ. How many believe that? Amen? Right? Good? Maybe if I told everybody we were serving coffee afterwards, we'd get a little happier about it. Amen. But, but uh, let's just pretend we are. Okay. So let's go to Acts chapter 11. And we read this last week. want to read it again. And um, wanted to correct what I said last week about the scripture um, just, just for correction's sake. And that is... The, boy, uh, the verse opens up and it says, when he had found him, now he's talking about Barnabas who was uh, really just an uh, amazing preacher and a missionary who traveled with Paul. So when Barnabas found Paul, Paul was on another mission trip. He was on another mission, missionary journey in another part of the world. And so Barnabas went to Antioch and he saw the Christians there and he saw that the Bible says that he saw that the, the grace that was so much in their midst and they were doing so well in the Lord and so great the church was like doing amazing. He said, Paul, you got to check this out. you got to come over here. And so the Bible says that in verse 26 is that when, when it came to pass that they spent a whole year with these believers. And they saw that the church, they, they gathered themselves together. And verse 26 says they taught much people and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. That's when people began to call believers in Jesus, disciples of Jesus, Christians. And you look at the, up that word, it means Christ followers or Jesus followers. We like to say Jesus followers. Jesus followers because that's what it means. It means to follow after Jesus. It means that you are his disciples. He is your teacher. He's your leader. He's your master. That means you're his student. You're his servant. You're his, you know, uh, disciple. And so you were baptized in him. You were baptized in his name and you're his disciple. That's what it means. And so he's your teacher, he's your leader, he's your master. And everybody knew that. And so they said, let's just, this is what we're going to call these people. We didn't call them freaks or weirdos. We said, you know what, the most proper name for these people, the most, the most word that really describes these people the most are Christians or Jesus followers. Because we can see that they're following Jesus. Is exactly what Jesus taught 
they're teaching. Exactly the way Jesus acted, they're acting. Exactly what Jesus did on the earth, that's what we see them doing. So it's appropriate for us to call them Jesus followers. How many know he still calls us and considers us Jesus followers? And we want the world to see that, don't we? We want our friends and neighbors and we want the world who doesn't know God to see that we are Jesus followers. Amen. I don't want them to see that we're famous and popular and rich and we're, we're this and we have great personalities. I'd rather say of us, amen, that we are Jesus followers. Anybody in the room? Amen. So I believe that, uh, so as we see this and they begin to really begin to live out the gospel and live out the life of Jesus, this is what we see. We I know that most people consider a church as a building. They refer to a church as a building. But nowhere in the New Testament does the Bible refer to the church as a building. The Bible always refers to the church as people, God's people. Amen. Being sent out into the world, doing His work and His mission. And being anointed by His Spirit to do what He's called them to do. That's what the church is all about. That's what, when we call, say, the church, that's what we're talking about, is the church. But we're also talking about a bunch of people who are simply Jesus followers, right? Amen. So that's kind of what we've been talking about. And, and uh, I believe personally that one of the things God wants to do with us as a church or as a congregation or assembly, and that is this, and I believe that God wants us to go from a place of come and hear to go and tell. I, I don't believe that we were ever designed for one person to read the Bible for us and for us to just do what somebody else told us to do and try to be the best people we can be. I believe that we are all Jesus followers if you're born again. You are a Jesus follower. He has equipped you. He has given His Word. He has gifted you. And He has called you to His mission. We're just a facilitator. That's what we're doing. We're just trying to train and put, put you in the right direction and just facilitate what God wants us to be doing together collectively. Amen. And so that's what we want to do. And so when we get together on Sundays, it's not just about coming and listening. It's not about the few teaching the masses. It's about the masses being equipped to touch, amen, the world. Amen, that's what it's about. It's not, and it's not about the few just talking to a many. It's talking about the masses being equipped to go to the world. So I, I honestly believe that. And so when we talk about discipleship, it's a very, very... Um, it's a full, amen, uh, uh, plate, if you will. It's just, it's not something on the side. It's not an add-on. It's wh what, who we live, right? It's who we are. And so discipleship is all about this. It's about that now Jesus is my Lord, He's my love, and He's my life. That's exactly how you can explain that. That Jesus Christ has become my Lord, He's become my love, and He is my life. If anybody says, what does it mean to be a Christ follower, you can simply say that Jesus is my Lord, and He's my love of my life, and He is my life. Amen. I believe that. And so what Jesus says simply about discipleship, uh, if you read his teachings, what he says about discipleship and following him isn't anything that's optional or it's, it's this passive or this nominal form of Christianity. What he presents is a joyful and urgent missional life. That's exactly what Jesus presents. Amen? How many believe that? He doesn't present something that you just go and sit and wait at a bus stop for Jesus to come back. This is a, a fully engaged, fully involved, fully active life in Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus. So let's pick up where we left off. We talked about... As we read the book of Acts, it, and, and you read the book of Acts, it describes these Christ followers and what they did. And so we did. We talked about certain things last week, didn't we? I don't know if anybody remembers. Does anybody remember maybe one of them, what we talked about? Good. I can go. All right. We don't have to do preview. All right. Great. That's great. 
we can do that. So what I really thought about this, that one of the practices of a Jesus follower is that we have a strong core fellowship with one another. There's a strong core of fellowship. You have all your friends and relatives, or maybe you don't have that many friends. In fact, they say the average person has about 338 followers uh, are, are friends on Facebook, but only consider two of them to be really close. So maybe you're not that kind of person that you have a real, huge, strong core of fellowship. But that's the good thing about the body of Christ. That's a good thing about members of Jesus, is that you always can find a core of fellowship in Jesus Christ. And so this is one of the practices. One of the practices of a Jesus follower is that you get involved in this core, is that you strengthen this core. You don't just come to to get from this core or take from this core of people. You came to give to this core of people. You came to add to this core. You came to be a blessing to this core of people. Come on. And so what makes the core of fellowship so strong is your input and your uh, deposit, amen, what God's doing in your life into that group. And so a practice of a Christian follower is that they have a strong core fellowship. John 13, 35. And we're, we're definitely going to talk about a lot of scripture today because you have to when you talk about this subject. In John 13, 35, it says this. It says, by this will everybody know, this one thing right here, that you are my disciples, that you have love for each other. That, I mean, right there, I could, we could just stop right there. That is, who said amen? No, I'm just kidding. And we could stop right there and say, you know, right there, I mean, think about it. This is how people are going to know that you are Jesus' followers because you have love one to another. And I, have to read, and I have to say that when we read the book of Acts and we look over and over again, there was a strong emphasis on love and fellowship with each other. It wasn't just a bunch of people, individuals coming, trying to be religious, trying to seek their own way and own journey to God. It was that they had found God and they were, wanted to experience life together. That was what made this so strong. And so I believe that one of the things that we have to understand, that just this message right here of being a disciple and loving each other is so mind-blowing, amen, to me. It just makes me uh, think, wow, it's so simple to be a disciple. I just need to get my act together and love other people. Think about it. This is how people are going to know that you're his disciples. They may never know about Jesus completely, but they can certainly know that you belong to him. That's pretty neat. Just because how you love each other. Just how you love people. I mean, I mean think about it. If you're, if you're rude and you're short-tempered and you're, you're, you're just a very hot-tempered person and you don't like to be around other people, you think the world would be better off without everybody around, I mean, people aren't going to consider you a Jesus follower. They're just not going to say, wow, he's really a godly person. He must know God. No, someone who loves people, someone who loves their neighbor, someone who loves the unlovely, someone who loves their enemies, people can look at that and say, you must be a Jesus follower. You've got to be a disciple of Jesus because there's no way that you can love like that without Jesus. Amen. So you've got to have a strong core fellowship. Amen. And David said this in Psalms 119. He said, uh, my crew, I'm going to break this down for you. My crew is the people that love God and do what he says. I mean, he said, that's my companions. Those are the people I run with. Now, I am friendly to all people. I mean, I love the, I'm praying for the people at the grocery store and I, I'm kind to my neighbors. But man, my core, my companion, my, my, if you want to say inner circle, the people that I'm close to are the people that fear God and do what he says. You know, the statistics tell us that you are your five best friends. <laughs> that's who you are. The five closest people to you, that's really who you are. And I don't know about you, but I want to be so close to Jesus, people can say, wow, you, you're a lot like him. 
and then I want to be close to other people and love other people that love him, then they can say, wow, you must be a disciple because you guys really love each other. Paul warned us and he said, don't just pretend to love, really love one another. Don't just say that. Don't just say, love you, brother. I mean, show it. How many know actions speak louder than words? You've got to have a strong core fellowship. Matthew in 12, and Jesus said this. People said, hey, your mother and brothers are outside. They're, they're, you know, when you get done preaching, they want to see you. They want to talk to you. He said, look around you. He said, all these people that do the will of God, they're my brothers and sisters. People that do the will of God, that's my family. Wow, that's pretty good, isn't it? So you need a strong core of fellowship. The other thing, a practice of a Jesus follower is overcoming love. I love this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 35, Paul asks his questions, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He didn't say what shall separate us. He said, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or hardship or persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword? And then he names 10 dangerous things, crazy dangerous things that could separate you from God. And then he says after that, he says this, he says, none of these things, what I just mentioned, will be able to separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. I like that, don't you? Amen? So we have overcoming love. We have love that overcomes, the Bible says, and Paul teaches us to let good overcome evil. Let, let good, let not your good, but God's good in you, overcome evil. That you need to be full of good works. And in your good works, be full of compassion. Don't you believe that in Psalms 103, says that we've been crowned with loving kindness and compassion. If you ever read Jesus' life, when he ministered to people, he wasn't doing business classes and he wasn't doing it for membership. The Bible says that he just saw people, he saw their need, he had compassion, and he healed them. In fact, one time Jesus said, you know what, guys, I need a break. I'm getting burnt out. I, I need to get away. And so you know what he did? He got in a boat and went to an island. He said, we're just going to go. And maybe, you know, just this little island and maybe had a little palm tree there with a hammock. And he said, I just need a break. I've got to get a smoothie or something. I mean, I need to take a break. I've got to I've go on a vacation. And the Bible says that people followed him on this island. I mean, think about it. Would you be kind of like, you know, a little irritated with people? It's like, I love you guys, but I'm trying to get away from you right now. I need a break. And you know what Jesus did? The Bible says he had more compassion, and he healed them again. He couldn't get away from love. He couldn't get away from this compassion that he had for people. And the Bible says that just as Jesus loved us, so we ought to love other people. Boy, I'll tell you what, if we think about it for a moment, how much he's loved us, we owe a lot to other people, don't we? Wow, I'll tell you what. Overcoming love. And this is what the Bible says, that we are to strive to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. We need to, to work at overcoming hate and overcoming prejudice and overcoming these things with the love of God. Love that is patient. Love that is kind. Love that doesn't keep score. Love that doesn't, uh, you know, expect something in return. That's the love of God, right? And in fact, the Bible says, and Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 13 called the love chapter he says that the love of God is greater than gifts than talents than prophecies than personalities than all knowledge it's even greater than faith and hope God's love is greater amen so we have overcoming love don't we amen the other thing I see about a practice of a Christ follower is that they live in generosity they live in generosity they just live there they don't say you know what I got a quarter I can squeak out of my pocket and maybe give you at Christmas time. They live in gener generosity. Luke chapter 6 verse 38, Jesus taught, Give and it will be given to you. 
you will have more than enough. It can be pushed down. It will be shaken together. In other words, Jesus is saying you can do what you want to to make it look smaller, but it's going to be bigger. And then together it will start running over. People will give to you. The way that you give to others, Jesus said, is the way you will receive in return. Here's the thing, three things that people that live in generosity understand. They understand the laws of harvest. Given it shall be given back to you. Whatever you reap, you will sow. Uh, things like that. It's better to give, Jesus said, than to receive. Now receiving's not bad, but giving's better. That's what he taught. Giving's better. We think receiving's better, especially Christmas time. No, giving's better. That's what Jesus taught. They understand the provision of God. So people that live in generosity, disciples who walk in generosity, they understand the provision of God. What does that mean? As Jesus taught in Matthew 6, he said, if God can take care of grass, flowers, and birds, I'm sure he can meet your need. I mean, think about it. If God takes care of a little sparrow, who there's like 15,000 species in Pennsylvania, or whatever it is, crazy, if he can take care of one little meaningless bird that we think is meaningless, left, it's, in the Bible days it was, it was worse than left, less than a half a penny. If God cares about one little bird, how many know, how much more does he care about us? I mean, think about it. That's pretty good, isn't it? You understand that. And you're generous because you understand that. When you give, you don't see yourself in losing something. You see yourself gaining something. People that are generous understand this. They understand the provision of God. They understand that uh, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, that it comes from the Lord. Amen. When Jesus said in Matthew 10, and he sent out the 70 to preach the gospel, he said, don't take your money purse with you because God will provide for you. When you get there, God will take care of you. How many of you know that's miracles, isn't it? You've got to understand that. So and that's what they do. And people that live in generosity also understand the needs around them. These scriptures, I have to take time and read these scriptures. In Proverbs 19, 17, it says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Think about it. You lend to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Now, how many know that God, when he repays somebody, it's usually more than you can handle? I'd rather have God repay me than somebody else that owes me something. Because when God does it, he usually attaches something called blessing, called security, called peace, called joy. Come on. Any blessing that God ever repays, He always attaches it with something better. Amen. Listen to this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 I, and 18. I, I have to read this. But it says this. It says, By this we know love, that Jesus laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love live in him? Question mark. Little children, he said, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. In 1 Timothy, Paul teaches this to Timothy in chapter 6. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them or admonish them strongly that not to be haughty or, or to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but put their hope in God who richly provides for us and everything, uh, with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. They are to be rich in good works. They are to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Jesus said that we need to have, I mean, if we're not faithful with physical money or, or as he says, unrighteous mammon or, or worldly things, how can we be trusted, entrusted with true riches? True riches, wow. And I believe that true riches are generosity.
And a lot of times God tests us, doesn't he? He, he tests us with usually, he tests Christians, and Christians usually, we're, we're working through this, aren't we? He tests us with people, money, and popularity. <laughs> and he wants to see how we're going to do with those things. But anyways, I love that. So uh, a, a person or a disciple that practices amen generosity understands these things. The other practice of a Christ follower is good stewardship. Good stewardship. And uh, I'm trying to hurry. I want to get to the last point for a specific reason. Good stewardship. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. So as grace comes in various forms and God has gifts you in various forms, you need to use those to serve other people. But also understand that Paul also teach, or Peter also teaches this. He teaches you to be a good steward of what God has already given you. And Jesus taught that in, in, if you want more, if you want more stuff, you need to be faithful with the stuff you've got already. How many know if you cook a steak for your, stu- your son or your kids or barbecue chicken for your kids and you put it on their plate and say, I want more chicken, what do you tell them? You eat the chicken in front of you first, then you can have more chicken. And God says that you do what I've given you already and you make that multiply and then I'll give you more. To him that already has shall be given more, the Bible says. God already always speaks to people that are going, not people that are waiting. He already he gives people more that are already doing something for him. Many people sitting around, oh, what God, what is your will? Oh, I want to do this tremendous ministry. Start doing what God told you to do, and he'll let you know the things you don't know. Amen, yeah. So I think that that's very simple. I think that we need to be good stewards. Now look at this. From the very beginning, from the very beginning, what has been our call from God? And that is to take care of his stuff. From the very beginning. He calls Adam. He said, I called you to be the gardener. You're the steward. I want you to be a good steward. He said, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Think about it. And Jesus, before he left, what has he said? He said, finish what I started. I want you to be a good steward of what I started. I want you to be a good steward of what God has. Amen. And Jesus taught us this. He said, give to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, that Caesar owns, but give to God the things that belong to God that God requires. That's good stewardship. Amen. That's good stewardship. Today we're dedicating what uh, a baby that God gave. Amen. So we want to be good stewards in that. But the Bible says in Romans that everybody, everyone, every person will give an account. At the end of their life, they will give an account of the things that God gave you, the things that happened in your life, whether they're good or evil, the things that you've done, whether good or bad, you will give an account. So we're good stewards. So isn't it important to be a good steward of your home, your family, your marriage? You don't just let it go. You don't just let weeds grow up all over. Man, you're a good steward, right? To be a good dad, to be a good mom. Amen. It takes a good steward to be a good businessman, a good businesswoman, to be uh, whatever it is God puts in your hand. The Bible says and makes it clear He wants us to be good stewards. So uh, a practice of a Christ follower is always good stewardship. Amen. What does it say in... In Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus said that uh, we want, and this, we've been talking about it and we've sung about it, he said he gives a story about people that are good stewards. He said that his master will say to him, if he's been a good steward, well done, thou good and faithful steward. You were faithful over the few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. Notice he didn't say, well done, thou good and fabulous servant. Well, good and, good and done, thou famous servant. He said faithful, 
Faithful in what God's given you. Faithful in what God's put in your hand. The very first thing, amen, when God called Moses, what did he say? What is in your hand? It's just a stick, right? And God used what was in his hand so that he could use that with his hand and he could be able to part waters what was in his hand, amen. If Moses said, I want what in somebody else's hand, I want this, I want that, I want what Pharaoh has. No, God said, what's in your hand, Moses? And God wants to use what's in your hand. So God wants to use your talent and your skill set. God wants to use your life. Amen. Right? So we're good stewards. And I think it's important to be good stewards. Amen. That we need to learn good steward principles about finances and work and, and all those things. And I'm excited about the job and life skills program that we're going to be starting. River Valley Mission. It's going to teach people good, godly skills of life. I'm excited about that. Amen. The Bible says that we're to honor the Lord with our possessions, with the first produce or first fruits of our entire harvest. That's stewardship. You know, I look in the book of Acts and I see stewardship all over the place. The Bible says that, and not just generosity, but stewardship with what God gave them and how they were blessed. The Bible says they had all things in common and everything that everybody had, they didn't consider it to be their own. They, they brought it in and they made distribution to people's needs and they met other people's needs. How many know that's what God wants to do today in this church? Amen. He wants us to say, God, it's not so much what I can get, it's what I can give. It's what it's in my hand. It may not be en a enough or it may not be a, a lot or what other people have. Amen. But how many know if we give it out of a heart of faith, we give it a heart of, of, of love, the Bible says it's good enough. It's good enough. Amen. So you may not have as much as other people have, but we want to say, Lord, whatever I have, I want to give it. Amen. I want to use it for you. Amen. And we're not going to take another offering. Everybody's scared now. Okay. We got a little worried there. And then my last point I want to bring out, it's so good, and, and just really ministered to me as I wrote it, and that is practices of a, of a Jesus follower is they do his word. I mean, you're, you're following his teaching. That's what it's all about, is what did Jesus teach? It's not what I believe. It's what my opinion. It's not the way I see life. It's not my perspective. It's what did Jesus say? What did Jesus teach? I mean, if you did not follow the teachings of your master back in the day, you were not a true disciple. Everybody knew that. If you said that you belonged to this crew and you belonged to this group of people and yet you weren't doing what that guy was teaching you, back in the day they knew, well, you're really not a disciple. You're just a follower. You're, I mean, just a, you're just kind of a weekend warrior. You're, just, you're, you're not really a true follower of that person. So don't call yourself a follower of that person. Amen. I mean, come on, a, a real Eagles fan, I mean, they know all the stats, and they know who the quarterback is, and they, I mean, come on, they don't, they don't just, they don't just say, ah, I'm an Eagles fan, and then, you know, cheer for the Giants, Lord, God forbid, oh my word, that, that's sacrilegious right there, but think about it, but you know, I mean, if you were to say, I'm a true fan, I'm a true Penn State fan, I'm a true fan, and you didn't know anything about the team, you didn't even watch the games, you didn't even like football, but you said, I'm the best fan there is, how many know we'd have to question your loyalty? We'd have to question that, wouldn't we? And yet people would say, I love Jesus, I go to church, but yet their life doesn't match up. They, they just don't reflect love. They don't show it. They don't, you can't see it. You don't see any characteristics. And so people have to say, are you really a follower? Are you really a believer? Are you really a fan? Right? Do you really do his word? So the Bible makes it clear that if you do his word, that means you're a follower. Number one thing that Jesus talks about here in John 8, 31 and 32, he said this. He said, Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples 
Truly, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you continue, if you abide, and, and it would shock some of us if we really studied how many times Jesus said if. If you do this, then it proves this. We don't like to hear that, but it's the truth, isn't it? I mean, think about it. Here's a disciple. A disciple loves the teachings of Jesus. But they love the truth. They, they want to hear. They don't just want to hear a truth. They love the truth. They're not looking for a truth. They want to know the truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. And so, okay, if Jesus is saying, I'm the truth, I'm following him, then I love his teachings. Then I'm going to do what he says. Follow every word to a T. That's what it means to be a true follower of Jesus, that you do his word. You obey the teachings of Jesus. Wow. So, I mean, just think about it. Back in the day, especially, these people that Jesus talked to, the Jews that followed him or believed in him, these people were more concerned about God's commandments than the traditions of men. That's what it means to do his word. You're more concerned about what God says than what is our culture preaching uh, to us, than what is society, what are the, even some of the laws of the land and things like that. It's what does God's word say? That we're more concerned about God's commandments and the traditions of men. This is what was happening back in the days of Jesus. So I just wrote some things down about what happens when disciples follow his words. What does this look like? I believe a couple things. First of all, it proves they know God. And I'm going to give you a scripture reference. I'm not going to read it, but it proves they know God. And I've got scripture reference for everything here, I guess, today. But it, it also confirms that you belong to God. So if you do the teachings of Jesus, if you follow the teachings of Jesus, it proves that not only do you know God, but you belong to him. That's what it says. It also, I, I like this, it sees, says that you're connected to God through his word. You're connected to God personally. Now in John 15, if you would read this and, and in your study this week, or if some of you just want to read it, in John 15, it talks about when the words of Jesus abide in you and when you live in the word. Now I don't know what that all means, but it sounds really cool. And I have, have to think that it means that you've got to know the word, read the word, be familiar with the word, and that's got to be inside of you. Right? And one of the ways it gets inside of you is through your eyes. You read it, right? Or you hear it through your ears. It gets inside of you. And that's the way it gets inside of you. But it says this, that in John 15, let me just go through a couple of these just in John 15, okay? This is just in chapter 15. When the Word of God abides in you, you're clean through the Bible. You're, th you're clean, the Bible says. You have favor in prayer. You will live in love. Your joy will be full. You're the friend of God. Jesus said, you're my friends. Whatever I command you to do, those are my friends. You'll produce amazing results of God's character in your life. The Bible calls it bearing forth fruit. You'll produce amazing results of God's character in your life when you're connected to God through his word. The other thing that uh, happens when a disciple follows the words of teaching, the teachings of Jesus, is that Jesus is Lord in your obedience. Jesus becomes Lord in your obedience, not not of old, but in your heart. Jesus becomes master in your life through obedience. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, how do you, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't you, you don't do the things I'm telling you to do? So in other words, when you do the, what I'm telling you to do, then I truly become your Lord. So you can't say he's my Lord if you're not doing what he told you to do. Amen? Come on. People wonder why God isn't speaking, but their Bible's closed. I mean, they wonder why things aren't happening in their life. They wonder why I struggle with believing in God fully. Maybe, maybe you're not doing what he told you to do through his word. That's just my thought. That's just, that's just a thought. But this is amazing. Four times it says that if you do the word, if you follow the teaching of Jesus, it proves that you love him. Four times Jesus said, 
or Jesus said it three, John said it once. It proves you love God. Well, I love God, I just question the Bible. No, it, it proves that you love God. Your, your, come on, your love for God is determined, or your love for the Word is determined how much you love God. I mean, if you love God, you love His Word. You can't separate the two. Well, I, lo- I like God, I really believe in God, I want to go to heaven, but I just, I have a problem with the teachings of the Bible. I don't want to follow Him. I, I really don't want to listen to Him. I want to follow something else. How many know Jesus said it proves you don't love Him, you don't know Him, you're not a part of Him. The Bible says that you, you, He can't live in you. Think about it. It proves that we love God. I mean, think about it. I mean, people are looking at me funny, so let me just give you a chapter verse here. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you say you love me, oh, Lord, I love you, I'll follow you, like that rich young ruler. I'll go anywhere you want me to go, do anything, then sell everything you have and follow me. Well, I just can't do that. Right? Amen. Are you still with me? All right. So it proves that we love others. When we do the, will of, uh, the Word of God, when we follow the teachings of Jesus, it proves that we really love others. We don't just say it. We're willing to forgive others. We're willing to be patient with others. We're willing to give other people a break. We're, we're willing to lay down every prejudice. We're willing to sacrifice our, what we have for other people. Come on. It proves that we love people. God's love is perfected in us, the Bible says. God will reveal Himself to us if we do what He says or He does His teachings. Uh, Jesus will live in us. And he'll live with you. I like that one. He'll live with you. And then he'll live in you. If we do what God told us to do. We will understand parables or the things hidden to the rest of the world. You can understand the things of the Bible better. And the teachings of Jesus in a more intimate way. In a more knowledgeable way. Because you follow the teachings of Jesus. Many people want to try to study Jesus without believing in Jesus. But he'll never reveal himself until you know him. And so that's part of doing what he said. And, and building on a strong faith, building on a strong foundation in your life if you do the teachings of Jesus. He, Jesus gave an example of a, a wise man and a foolish man and, and what their houses look like or their life looked like. One built on the sand, one built on the rock. And the Bible says that the one that built on the rock was exactly like somebody, was a picture of somebody who did the teachings of Jesus. Not just heard them, but did them. Is this all right? I know it's simple, but it's, it's just clear. And so, I like this one. We'll be able to stand unashamed. If you do God's Word, and if you follow the teachings of Jesus, you'll stand unashamed. In fact, Jesus said that if you're ashamed of Him, it's because you're not doing His Word. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words. Wow. There's a lot of people that are ashamed of the truth. They're ashamed of the Word of God. They want to break it down. They want to excuse it. They want to mix other religions. They want to just say, well, it doesn't really say that or whatever. But how many know you can't be ashamed of the Word? You've got to stand on the Word. You've got to declare the Word. Now, whether that's in the King James or this is a New Life Teenage Study Bible, I don't know. We've got to declare the Word. And we've got to stand on the Word. We'll stand unashamed. And the Bible says that those who do the Word of God will never see death. That's a good one. It proves that we have crossed over from life to, to death, or to death for life, Jesus said in John 5. So it proves that you cross from death to life. It proves that you've been translated out of darkness into the kingdom of light if you do the word of God. Never see death. John 8, 51 says, Verily, verily, or truly, or truly, I say to you, if a man keep my saying, or do what I said, keep my teachings, follow my teachings, he will never see death. I love that one. Amen. So, how many know God's Word causes you to be bulletproof? Amen. In one sense. And so, 
I really believe that, that, that these are things that really are the practices of a Jesus follower. And I don't know what you're going through or where you're at in your life, but you, know, you, you might say, well, Brother Matt, I don't want to get that serious about God. Well, maybe you don't understand Jesus has called you to this. This is the call of salvation. This is the call to be a Christian. This is what it means to be a Christian. We want to water it down or we want to change the definition and say, well, that's only for really intense and, and radical people. No, when we understand that, that this was normal, this was the actual call of a follower of Jesus. I believe that we need to do some soul searching and say maybe I need to get more, a little bit more serious about who I am in Christ and what I'm doing with my life. Amen. In Philippians chapter 3, in closing, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, it says this. Paul said, Not as though I've already attained, or either were already perfect, but I follow after Jesus, I believe. I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which Jesus Christ apprehended me for. I want to follow. When Jesus came and Jesus invited me to a relationship and I received his blood and received his salvation, calls me into discipleship, as Paul said, I want to apprehend everything that he arrested me for, everything that he called me to, everything that he promised for me, everything that he called, when he called me to salvation, he called me into I want to get a hold of that. I want to live that. I want that to be who I am, not just a weekend occasion or a special event or one-time experience. This is who I am now. I am a Jesus follower. Can you say amen? Amen. Can we stand on our feet today? I believe that it really boils down to being a Jesus follower is about knowing what he said and practice what he did. And I don't know about you, I don't know how serious you take your faith. I don't know how serious you take your relationship with God. I don't know how you do that. But in my life, I really say, Lord, if that's what you want, that's what I want to do. If that's what you said, then that's what I want to say. If that's what you, where you want me to go, that's where I want to go. If that's who you want me to be, God, that's who I want to be. And Jesus looked at the, the, the fishermen and he looked at, Peter and, and James and his brothers and those, he said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. I will do something in you. You don't have to try to, you know, make it and do it yourself. I'm going to do that in you as you follow me. I'm going to develop something in you that's greater than you can ever do for yourself. That's spiritual and dynamic and amazing. It's all God as you follow me. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe you've been following, but maybe like Peter at one time in his life, he was following from afar off. Maybe he was following at a distance. But today, if you're following at a distance, I want you to get a little bit closer and say, Lord, whatever's standing in the way between you and me and me getting a little, close, little bit closer, I want that to go away today. I want to be close to you, Lord. I want to stay in step with you. I want to be so close to you as I follow you that I'm just walking exactly where you walk. I want to just go where you're going. I want to just be in step with where you're in step with, Lord. I want to follow you today. Today, if you're not a Jesus follower and a Christ follower and you don't know Jesus Christ, that can happen today. You just The Bible says that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and unrighteousness. The Bible says that we be born again and we become His and He becomes ours. Amen today. Today, if you're really struggling in your heart with anything, we're here uh, just to minister. We're here to pray. We just want you to know that God is calling you Young person, old person, I don't care who you are, God's calling you to follow him a little bit closer today. 
Amen. To be a Christ follower in everything you do. Amen. Any, amen. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that, Lord, today there have just been maybe just a few other things that came to light in our hearts, God, about being a Jesus follower, being a disciple, Lord. And, and maybe, maybe we're, we're, it could be do a little bit better than what we've been doing, some of us. Maybe we haven't done it at all. Maybe we had a, 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 just a, a, a misunderstanding of what it means to be a Jesus follower. Maybe we thought it was a special elite, elite group or a special gold membership club. Maybe I thought it was to be a little bit more radical, but God, I didn't realize that it was really about everybody who you called to salvation, you called to discipleship. Lord, I want to be your disciple today in, in greater ways than I was yesterday. Lord, that I can serve, love, and follow you so that I can reach this world for you, Lord. I pray, oh God, that you're going to help me be that disciple that loves other people, that other people can see that not only I do belong to you, but they can see for themselves your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your salvation in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. Amen. In Jesus' name. Anybody said?